Well, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here, and I am super grateful uh, for all of you here in person and all of you online. And hey, you've taken time and made space to come join with us as we uh, collectively engage with God, even though we may be in different spaces or might be all together. Um, I do want to add, though, that <clears throat> excuse me, it has been super cool to be able to hear other people sing, right? So just a little... A little nugget in there about uh, being together and the importance of it, and, uh, and, and we're moving towards that, and we're thankful for everyone, again, who's here and online. Uh, I, it has been super encouraging to my heart to be able to hear uh, other people sing, and so uh, thanks, for, thanks for being here. Um, I do want to share, um, uh, someone shared with me a vision that they had recently, and they asked if it would be something that uh, could be shared with the congregation, so I want to do that. Uh, the vision was of a boat in super stormy weather, um, and that there's a lighthouse. And even though it was really foggy and the waves were really crashing and the wind was really blowing, the, the lighthouse was really clear, had like a really strong beam of light. And, and the idea in it was Jesus was saying, like, follow the light, stay with me in this. Like, no matter what the wind and the seas and the storms are saying, stay with me, follow Jesus. Um, and that was just, when this was communicated to me, it actually fits quite well with some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. Um, so I wanted to share that as a way to, to kind of intro that and to help uh, as, I, as I pray for us to start. So let's, let's pray. <clears throat> Dear God, I give you great thanks for this day and for your presence with us. God, that even in the midst of, of stormy times, you are a light uh, for us that we can see, we can respond to, we can move with. In fact, as Scripture says that we, we live and move and have our being in you. And so, so I pray that we would be able to see you, we would be able to follow you, we would be able to stay in tune uh, with you. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and help us to do that, even as we are gathering this morning, um, that you would, would tune our hearts to you and, and to one another, that we'd be able to, to, to feel that connection, that we serve one God, uh, together and so so spirit come move in us help us uh, and, and may we stay in tune and uh, and follow you and we ask this in Jesus name amen well we are in our advent series uh, entitled unexpected advent and <clears throat> advent is this time uh, it's a season in the church calendar um, and it's a time of waiting time of expectation, a time of longing. And one of the things we do in this time is we honor the thoughts and emotions and the life that goes into waiting. Right? We remember people who have waited in the past. We remember Israel waited for a Messiah, waited for a Savior, someone who would come in and usher in a time of flourishing for all. And we also remember the people who are still waiting waiting for help, waiting for a place of belonging, waiting for a place where they can flourish, a place where they can be healed and participate in healing. And so in this season, we enter into that honoring of the past waiting and of the present and even future waiting as we remember it. And in doing so, we remember the story of God, the God who has come to be with us in this person of Jesus. And in that, may we never forget those who endured the waiting and those who continue to endure the waiting. 
Because what Advent means, it's based off this Latin word, Adventus, <clears throat> and it means an arrival, uh, a coming, an entrance, an appearance, and it's particularly attached to things that are super important. Um, you know, and so sometimes in my house, I might speak of something like, it was, uh, so one of the things you may or may not know about me is that I really, really have grown to love popcorn, um, especially during this pandemic. It was a super easy snack to make, uh, and so almost every day now I will have a bowl of popcorn. Uh, and so uh, there have been times recently where I've said, and it is the advent of the bowl of popcorn in my day. Uh, so it's attached to something of huge importance. Uh, but we really do, during this time, we look forward <clears throat> and celebrate, oh my gosh, you're so kind. Thank you, thank you. Okay. Yeah, some days you just have a little something stuck in your throat. Thank you. Um, and during this time, what we, we look for is the advent of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus on the earth, the appearance of Jesus, and that's what we celebrate. And so, what we do during these four weeks that, that, that make up the season of Advent is we look to that arrival on Christmas Day. And so each Sunday, there's four Sundays that work up to it, and each one has a different theme, and it's hope, peace, joy, love. And some traditions include faith or faithfulness in there too. Um, and then it's really cool because that builds into Christmas Day, which then actually builds into Christmas tide. these 12 days uh, starting December 25th through January 5th. Um, and you're going to hear more about that later, and that's going to lead up to Epiphany, which you're going to hear more about too. But it's these moments that the church has set up in the calendar to help us remember the story. And one of the interesting things about it is when we, when we get in tune with the church calendar that way, it helps us remember these things even when we're not necessarily feeling it, right? It helps us remember that Oh, I'm not there, but boy, that story is still there, and that story is real, and is that story real in this moment where I'm not connected to it. So it helps us, again, remember that in the midst of all this. And this year, the focus for us in this series has been on unexpectedness, right? The unexpectedness of the Advent story. And there are tons of things about it that are unexpected. And sometimes in life, we encounter unexpected things, and sometimes those unexpected things are also really unpleasant. They're uninvited. Sometimes they're really disturbing, and sometimes they're kind of funny, or sometimes they're really funny, and sometimes they're delightful. But whether they feel good or feel bad, they are always disruptive. They always shift the focus, impacting whatever else we were doing in that moment. And sometimes it depends on the time we realized it. We may not realize something was askew or something was unexpected until we see it later on. And I'm going to show you an example of uh, what I mean. I'm going to set this up. This is a video clip from something I got to do uh, at the end of October. Um, we were celebrating my brother's 50th birthday, and we uh, went down in some shark cages off of the Farallon Islands, which are about 30 miles east, or 30 miles west of San Francisco, uh, looking for great white sharks. Uh, and so, now that's gonna make you feel like when you see this video, something's gonna be unexpected. Um, but it's not going to be what you think. And what we're going to do is we're going to watch it for, for about a minute and a half, two minutes. And in there, I want you to just look for things. What are the things in there that you find unexpected? And then there's one that is highlighted at the end of it. So we'll watch this, and we'll just kind of go from there. 
And go. There we go. Now, there are lots of things in there that were unexpected for me. I was, it was unexpected to me that every single piece of whatever it was in the water looked like a shark when I first saw it. So if it was a jellyfish, it looked like a shark. If it was a stick, it looked like a shark. If it was a beam of light, it looked like a shark. But the thing, and maybe you noticed this too, that was super unsettling to me when I went back and watched this, was that that was my brother, that his leg, when it swept up against one of the poles, that pole just bent right out and then it bent right back. And I didn't see that when because I, I wasn't looking through my camera. I was looking and my camera's moving around like this. I didn't see it until later. And then I was really glad that no sharks came up to the tank because a big critter like that whose only means of trying to figure out what this thing is is to chew on it. I don't want it being able to bust in like that even if it's only a little bit further than it was. So these things that are unexpected, right, they, they can come at us in all kinds of different ways. And in this story, we've been looking at four things that were unexpected. Jesus came at an unexpected time, through unexpected people, in an unexpected place, bringing unexpected love. And today we're gonna look at how Jesus came through unexpected people. And we're gonna be looking at Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to that, or uh, the verses will be up on the screens, both here and at home. Um, There's also a Bible tab in our online platform that you can look at that will have the verses there also. But this is Luke 1, 26 through 38. It says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Now, technically what I just read really starts with Mary. But there's something that happened before this with a relative of hers named Elizabeth. And we we hear about it in this passage. But we're going to go just give a brief run through on that. Um, So Elizabeth is a relative of Mary's. We're not sure exactly which. Some translations of the Bible say a cousin. um, But it's also in kind of the way we use the word cousin. It could be cousin several levels removed. We're not totally sure, but they were related. Elizabeth and her husband, this priest named Zechariah, they're unable to have children, and they're both getting advanced in their years, and so it seems like that window is closed. Um, And yet one day, while Zechariah is going about his priestly duties, this angel named Gabriel comes and visits him and tells him, your wife Elizabeth is going to bear a son. And you should name him John. And he's going to go in the spirit of Elijah and make people ready, make people prepared for Jesus. Zechariah asks a question. How can I be sure of this? Both my wife and I are too old for this. And Gabriel has this really interesting response in this moment. He says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Right? And that part sounds like, okay, but then it takes this weird turn and it kind of adds a little flavor to the first part. And he says, and now you will be silent and unable to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. And sure enough, he's unable to speak. His wife Elizabeth is pregnant. Now the people, as he comes out, they're waiting for him to say something. And he's making all kinds of gestures and so they go, oh, He's had a vision of some kind, which tells us something about how people experienced visions in that time. Maybe they weren't able to speak. It didn't seem that out of uh, of the ordinary for them. Now, after that, six months after that, same angel, at least angel with the same name, goes to Mary, has a similar conversation, right? And that's the passage we just read. And I want to give a little bit of background on some of the things going on with Mary at this time, right? The ancient... Palestinian, first century Palestine wedding customs. You were engaged through a contractual agreement, and there would have been some kind of exchange of funds that would have taken place, and then Mary would have spent a year with her family of origin, um, and then there would be this week-long wedding feast, and then she would move into her husband's home. This initial engagement, this initial contract Right, that would have taken place before and during that year of living with her family of origin was seen as being as official as marriage. So much so that if Joseph, Mary's fiance, would have died, Mary would have been considered a widow. 
Now, up to this point, it seems like everything is going pretty much according to that schedule, right? They're engaged, right? They're, they're getting ready. It's this, probably that year-long time. Uh, they're going to have the feast at some point, and so plans seem to be moving. But then Gabriel shows up, and I just want you to know, anytime an angel shows up in Scripture, it means something is going to happen, and it's usually something unexpected, Again, go back to that story we just talked about. Gabriel brought news of Elizabeth's pregnancy. It made Zacharias so he couldn't speak until the baby was born. All of that was unexpected. But this time, Gabriel's not just unexpected. Gabriel's going to do something that's actually quite scandalous because in the situation with Elizabeth, even though she got pregnant as she was getting older, she was still in the protection of the marriage relationship. Right, that, that, that for Mary to get pregnant now could actually lead to her death. She could be stoned. She could be executed for being unfaithful. And so this has a very different consequence to it. And even if Joseph calls it off quietly, it was, as we read he's uh, thinking about doing, she would still be living with the stigma of being an unwed mother and then still have the potential of being executed. This is an aggressive interruption of her plans. Have any of you ever had plans interrupted? Anyone here in the last, I don't know, 21 months felt like their plans have been some way interrupted? But maybe it wasn't the pandemic. Maybe there was something else in the midst of this time. Or maybe you just felt like, you know what, I had my life all planned out. And there were no unexpected turns. And I was actually prepared for every unexpected turn I could think of. But not that one. Something else that I just didn't see, I just didn't know was coming. And maybe it's an angel. Maybe it's not. But so then why in this is Mary an unexpected person? Because that's what we're exploring, how Jesus came through this unexpected person. Well, in her culture, she's at this time a teenage girl, probably 13 or 14. And although most people would have understood, most people who were waiting for the Savior, looking for the Savior, would have understood in some way, shape, or form that she's probably going to be a mom for that Savior, There's all the cultural things in place. This is Mary and Joseph. Joseph's just a carpenter. He's not like some, you know, A-list celebrity. He's not royalty. He's not, even though he's from the line of David, and, and even though Mary is also most likely from the line of David, the people would have expected something more. And for us, we also find Mary to be an unexpected person for this. Because if we grew up in either in our faith or in our own life, if we grew up in a Protestant background, we often downplay the significance of Mary. And that goes back a long ways. And you look at church history, there was this moment called the Reformation where the Protestant church was really formed and it, it was breaking away from the Catholic church. And in doing that, the leaders like Martin Luther and John Calvin, they, they shaped this whole new movement. And what they tried to do was move away from, there were some really bad things happening in the church at that time. And so they wanted to break away from that. And in doing so, they wanted to break away from anything that felt too close to that. And in that previous moment of the church, 
Mary was given really high status. Status that, that for Luther and Calvin felt too close to Jesus. People would pray to Mary. People would worship Mary. And so they felt like this was, they were idolizing Mary, and so they wanted to move away from that. And so for most of us who grew up in the Protestant tradition, we don't experience a lot of teaching about Mary. But the great thing this guy Rick Watts shared, and this is just a paraphrase of what he shared, is that the amazing thing about the kingdom of God is it can take anyone, especially people who might be the lowest according to earthly categories, who according to the world's standards and measurements are nothing. And it can turn all of that upside down. And that person can become the very mouthpiece, can speak for, can be an ambassador of the living creator of all things. Can move with the spirit, the breath, the dynamic life of God. So in God's kingdom, this idea of expected and unexpected is really different. But Mary asks in this moment, she's presented with this reality, this, this, this possibility, this, this craziness. You're going to be pregnant. How? She says, how can this be? I am a virgin. Now I want you to notice some similarities between Zechariah's um, moment with Gabriel and Mary's moment with Gabriel. One was in earlier in Luke, and this one's a little bit later. The first thing is that uh, they were both approached by the angel Gabriel. They were both afraid, and they were both told, don't be afraid. And then it follows up with this statement. In Zechariah's case, it says, your prayers have been heard. And in Mary's case, it says, you have found favor with God. Those are both great things right? That's great to hear. My prayers have been heard and found favor with God. That's awesome. Next thing. On top of those things, they were both given some news, right? And they were both about children. To Zechariah, as your wife, Elizabeth, is going to bear you a son, and you're going to name this son John, and John's going to go out in the spirit of Elijah and just get the world ready for the Lord. Mary's given the news, you will be with child, and you'll give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of God. Zechariah responds with a question and a statement. How can I be sure of this? Question mark. Statement, I am an old man, and my wife is along in years. Mary responds with a question. How will this be since I am a virgin? Now, it might seem like there's a little bit of weird play that I'm making in terms of punctuation of those things, but the way those verses are laid out, even in the original language, one, Zacharias has a question and a statement. The other one is just a question. Some people say this has to do with how Gabriel responds. In the first one, Gabriel responds by saying, hey, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the Lord. I've been sent to bring you this message, and now you need to be quiet for a long time. Responds to Mary with a very different response. Mary, no, this is what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The Lord's going to overshadow you. And you're going to get pregnant. You're going to be with child. Now, I don't know if in heaven there's like some kind of HR department that Gabriel went to. Um, he, maybe he had an online video series he had to watch or something. But 
his opinion had shifted. And I actually think it has more to do with the way uh, Zechariah and Mary responded to him. I think one of the things that we are supposed to get here is that Mary kind of gets it, and Zechariah kind of gets it, but he's missing something too. But that Mary actually is getting what's going on. And the last thing, um, well, there's two more things. Zechariah responds with some quiet time, uh, but his wife Elizabeth responds. And the thing that she says that is amazing is that the Lord has shown me favor and taken away the shame that the community has put on me. The shame that she experienced in that culture for not being able to have a child. And God has come and relieved that. And then Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then lastly, Zechariah, they both respond with a song praising God. Zechariah's happens later uh, in, the, in, the, in the chapter, and Mary's is pretty quick, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Um, but when we look at Scripture, there are also other people who have asked questions like this, right? Abraham, in Genesis 17, 15, 18, says, God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so she will be the mother of nation. Kings of people will come, peoples will come from her. And Abraham falls face down. And he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And then he follows it and says, And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Now Ishmael is a son that Abraham had through Sarah's maidservant, Hagar. And so he's saying, hey, God, we, we kind of figured this out. We kind of had this different system. I know you had your plan, and that's great. We kind of did it this way. So if only that could work. And God says, no, no, there's something else. Okay? Sarah has her moment in Genesis 18, just the next chapter, verses 10 through 13. And then one of them said, I will surely, these are three strangers that have come to visit Abraham. One of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. These three strangers are angels also seen uh, and lots of art represented as a trinity. Uh, so I'll be back next year. Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? And then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at a point in time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So the question here, again, is this really going to happen? The circumstances show that it won't. Moses, in Exodus 3, 10 through 11, God is saying, you need to go uh, and get my people out from under Pharaoh's rulership, from under his authority, out of enslavement. And so he says in verse 10, So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, But who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And he actually says later on, Because I'm not very good at communicating, I'm really not the guy you want. So again, question and reason why. And the last one's a little different. Because it's John the Baptist, and it's not so much about himself, but it's about his understanding of who Jesus is. In Luke 7, 18 and 19, it says John's disciples come to him and they tell him about all this stuff. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Is it you, or should we expect 
someone else. Because you're not fitting what I understood when, when I got into all this. You're not fitting what I thought you would be. So, so maybe there's something else we should be looking for. Now in each of these, either people weren't meeting their own expectations for what they thought they would be or they, they didn't think they had what it took to go to that next step that maybe God was calling them to or they didn't think someone else did. And some would say this might be a lack of faith. Some would say it's a very reasonable assessment of the situation they're in. And some would say it's excuse making. I'm trying to swerve the thing that I'm being called to do because I can't see beyond this obstacle and what is over there really freaks me out. But in each case, there was an obstacle to moving in the direction that God was inviting them. Have you ever felt blocked in that way? Like there was something that's not just getting in the way of what God is calling to you. Because sometimes something is when you feel like, I can kind of get around it if I work and do this. But this was something that feels like, no, I, I can't even understand what's on the other side of it. And it's actually impossible. There's no way around this. And we start asking, asking questions like, how can this be? How can I be sure? Some of us have been sitting with these obstacles in our lives that tell us we don't have what it takes, might speak things to us like, and you're not even really a child of God. There's something embedded deep in our person that keeps us from moving forward with God. Maybe it's something we keep, we keep proclaiming to God as the reason why we're not moving forward. Maybe it's some guilt or shame that has taken up residence in our person and facilitates thoughts of unworthiness. There's, there's no way God would extend unexpected favor to me because, and fill in the blank. Or maybe it's because we're really comfortable where we're at. And it just feels a lot better than moving into something we can't even grasp. These thoughts, these feelings, these realities, work to hold us and suspend us in our walks with God. One author in Scripture, the author of Hebrews, refers to these as things that so easily entangles us. And the imagery there is meant to facilitate this thought of like I'm walking or running and there's just things wrapping me up and I can't move forward and i got to stop and try to untangle and I am just getting stuck. And in the midst of that in Scripture, we encounter... Uh, this other phrase. This is phrase that, that, that starts off a ton of different scripture passages. I've pulled aside three for us to look at. And it says in the midst of all these things, but God. Psalm 66, 19. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. It's exactly what the angel spoke to Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Psalm 73, 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. These passages and so many others stand in counter to the voices, the ways, the things of this world that try to tell us things that are false. We lean into passages like Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And that power, in case we're wondering, is talked about just a few chapters ahead. 
It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What does incomparably great mean? Oh, let me tell you, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. That's pretty powerful. Paul's not done. Not only did he raise Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. That's a position of authority. And in case that's not clear, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This power that Paul is talking about is the same as that power that elevated Christ from death to life, to right hand of God, to authority over everything, to everything under his feet. That's the power that's being talked about there. How does that match up with the obstacle that might be in front of us? And in this section we're looking at, this passage in Luke, and there's a passage from Peter I'm just going to skip over, even though it's an awesome one. Uh, Luke 1, 35 through 37, this is what Mary has to hold on to. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And we wonder sometimes where Jesus may have learned to say things like, not my will, but your will be done, because Mary follows up with, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. When Jesus is facing a challenge that he wants out of, that he wants the situation to change, that is full of obstacles for him, he certainly leans into his own divinity, his own being fully God and fully human, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But who does he also look like? Mary, his mom. Who did he grow up with? Who did he live with? Mary. And there's something transformative that happens when we engage with the Spirit, with God, the way Mary did. When we step into the movement of God and we intend to the will of God in such a way that we begin moving beyond the obstacles that attempt to hold us back. And so who then does Mary become? Well, she becomes controversial, right? We already talked about this. Maybe she becomes controversial. Oh, slide change error. Okay. So, she becomes controversial. Henry, if you could help me out, that'd be awesome. There we go. Um, Then, she becomes what uh, is interestingly referred to as the new Ark of the Covenant. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant carried the Ten Commandments, carried the law, carried everything that was so important to Israel. Jesus is called the fulfillment of the law. He says he has come to fulfill the law. And so Mary carries that. And so she is likened to a type as, as, as Jesus lives out the life of Israel in the New Testament. Uh, Mary is seen as being a part of that and that she carries that. 
Mary is also the only person we encounter in Scripture that is present before Jesus is conceived, through his life, his death, his resurrection, and through into the book of Acts, through and beyond Pentecost. The only person that even comes close in Scripture is Herod. And with Herod, Mary and Herod are sometimes seen as opposites. One made decisions that led to Jesus' death. Mary carried Jesus into life. And so Mary, through her moment of, I am the Lord's servant, may what you've said to me be true, becomes all this. And I wish I could say that that was super easy for her, but it wasn't. Just go read her story and you will find all the moments where it is difficult. Heartbreaking. Continuing unexpectedness and disruption. But she's transformed as she engages with God, as she trusts God. And Mary becomes a type or a model for Christians and as we too allow Jesus to live within us, but we also bring Jesus to the world in a way that others can hear and know about him. She's transformed in a way that allows her to have what we call a prophetic imagination, an understanding of things that she can see what God is doing in a way that it's so real she can step into it. And what does this all mean for us today? Well, as we head into the Advent season, we still have more unexpectedness around us. Some of us are wondering, who will we get to be around How will we even get to be around them if we can? Some of us are just waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to speak. We've received difficult news and we're preparing for things to get worse. Some of us are just feeling overwhelmed by everything that we're carrying while all at the same time trying to find meaning and purpose in this season. But in that, there is still the unexpected favor of God that can come to us through unexpected people. It's a thing with this unexpected people thing. It could be us. It could be someone else. But we're called to both receive and extend the unexpected favor of God. And the question is, can we do that in this time? I want to invite the worship team to, to come up. Um, I have a couple of questions I want to get to, but... Uh, Yeah, let's get to those. Um, well, Mary ends up actually uh, what she says later on to Elizabeth. She says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servants Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And that's where Mary ends up after this super unexpected moment. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. I have a couple of questions to ask. The worship team's going to play instrumentally, give us a moment to reflect, and then they're going to close us with a song. 
But I think this reality that, that where Mary ends up here in this moment is really key for us. Um, can we be in that moment too with her? So the questions I have for you, one, is there an area of your life that you have sensed God calling you into, but it feels like there's an obstacle of some kind that keeps you from moving in that direction? What is that obstacle? Can you see what life could look like if you were able to move in what God is calling you to beyond that obstacle? Can you make the step of magnifying God? Can, can you enter into that space of I can't see what's beyond there, I can see, but any, either way, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to magnify, glorify God. What, what does that look like for you? Right, for Mary, it was a song. You might say, there's no way I'm going to sing a song. Maybe you will. Maybe you're going to write something. Maybe you're going to take a moment and draw something. Maybe you're going to just have a thought. Maybe you're going to sit quietly. I don't know. But what, what does that look like for you? Um, and then the last question has to do with other people. Is there a person or persons in your life that you have viewed as being the unexpected person for Christ to be present through? Maybe it's someone who you just don't really like, you just don't know. Maybe it's someone who is, uh, someone who for whatever reason you see as, I just don't see Jesus, I just don't see God in this person. And then, can you see God in that person? Are there steps you can take to see them differently, and what would that look like? Uh, let's pray. God, I'm so thankful. Um, I'm so thankful for the unexpected people that you show up through. Lord, and I'm sad that we view people as somehow not able to convey who you are, somehow not able to live who you are. God, I pray that we would know and see in other people, not because of what they can do, not because of what they can bring, not because of anything, but just because of who they are, we would see and encounter you in them. And the same for us. I pray that people who see us would see you in us, and not in a way that takes over who we are, but in a way that highlights and accentuates the way you've created us to be in this world. Yeah, help us to be uh, attentive to the unexpected people in our lives, even if that's us. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.